I often joke that having a millennial as a friend is expensive. And it's not really a joke. It's a fact. Let's call it for what it is. Ryan O'Donnell is here as well with a guy named Eric. Uh, Eric Litke is with Unless Collective, and they do sustainable materials, sustainable clothing. Now, I don't want to get into the history because there is a bit of a shift that happened in Eric's life, which is fascinating. Um, but you have co-founded Unless Collective, sustainable clothing, um, clothing that breaks down, clothing that's reusable, clothing that has this completely different look at all of this. Eric, how are you? Thanks for being here, man. Hey, great to have, great to be here, Shane. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate the uh, correct pronunciation of my name. Oh, did that's, I get it right? Uh, it was fantastic. Eric is tough fantastic. to say. That's what you're saying, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. That <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you uh, you've you've taken on this project. You went into this uh, new business of making you know clothing, and correct my language because uh, you know, and it's not just clothing. Um, it's, there's more than just you know fabric that drapes over your body. Um, tell us about Unless and, and why it's so cool. Yeah, I, I guess if you if you allow me the time, I've got to go back a little bit and, and kind of set the context. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm a I'm a 28 year um, industry veteran, and I would call it just fashion is the is the catch all phrase. And, and when I say fashion, I mean all clothing, all footwear, all all bags, all hats, everything kind of gets lumped into this, how you clothe yourself, let's call it fashion. And it doesn't matter if you're at the highest level or the lowest level of, of, of cost, it's it's fashion. And it's about a 3 trillion giant industry. Um, it's also probably the second largest polluter, arguably, to the petroleum industry. And um, and I had the good fortune of being the, uh, the global brand president for one of the leading fashion companies called Adidas or Adidas, um, based upon where you're coming from. And um, when I was there, I had, you know, I thought I had the best job in my life. Um, but, you know, was, I got my eyes open to the the impact of fashion and the plight of our world and uh, the, the destruction that's happening at the hands of this make, take and throw away um, culture that we breed in fashion. And I, um, I decided to walk away from that job on the as executive board member at the end of 2019 and had the um, audacity with a few friends um, and, and colleagues from my former life to think that we could disrupt the status quo with a, uh, a better way, a way that you don't have to compromise your taste for your values or your values for your tastes. Because um, right now, um, for the most part, you're either a, a sustainable brand that, let's be honest, maybe doesn't have the greatest, um, uh, the greatest uh, taste value, um, or you're a value driven, or you're a, 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 a fashion brand, a streetwear brand that doesn't really spend a lot of time thinking about their footprint. So that upper right quadrant, if you will, of that X and Y axis is, is a wide open white space. And we identified that early on, um, that consumers like your uh, earlier mentioned Ryan, millennials, if you will, Gen Zs, if you will, they, they care, they care about the world. Um, but that doesn't mean they want to compromise their taste. Yeah. And, and they keep shopping they, <laughs> and they care about their taste, but they don't want to compromise their values. So right now we're asking them to compromise one or the other. And it's akin to Tesla when Tesla came out with their, you know, their, their badass roadster electric car. They, they, before then it was, you could have a, you could have an electric car, but it had to be a smart car. So you had to kind of wear your sustainability right on your forehead versus like getting the fastest, badass looking car on this, on the street. And Oh, by the way, it's, it's an EV. Um, and I think that's what we're trying to do it, it, to keep it easy in the fashion space is provide that that Tesla like moment. 
um, building a kick-ass brand that looks great, that's super desirable on a sustainable stack. And, and I don't even like to say sustainable, if I may say one more thing, Shane, before I turn back to you, is I like to talk about zero harmful waste. I like to, I like to talk specifically about solving the problem of petrochemicals or microplastic or, 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 or um, waste that, that fashion is renowned for. Uh, well, and just for the sake of acknowledging 2019 uh, pre-pandemic and a quadruple, if not quintuple cost of containers and shipping and all the other things that happened around the world. So a little bit of kismet plus, holy, what have we done? And yet here yeah. you are still making it happen, which is really cool. I want to just acknowledge as a business owner that, that that's a like that's a feat in itself, let alone the product. Yeah, surviving 19 and 20 was not the easiest yeah. as a startup out there raising money and and then all of a sudden the, the, the wheels come off in 2021. So um, I would say I was I had I had some fortune of walking away from Adi um, before COVID, mm -hmm. but I went right into the teeth of a startup during COVID. Yeah, and that's a tough one. Okay, so you go from Adidas, uh, you're all things Adidas, you're working with celebrities, and then now you're into this whole new world of creating and startup. Ryan has a question for you that he proposed to me that I think is um, one of the coolest questions about Eric the guy, right? I mean, Eric, the heart and soul behind all of this uh, giver, right? Yeah. So for me, Eric, I mean, I, I'm a consumer of, like you said, of uh, Adidas, Nike, all those brands. And I love seeing the integration that celebrities like Kanye, like Beyonce have and the impact they have on fashion. And what I found so interesting about your story is that you helped bring those big players to the fashion industry and raise Adidas up to a big time contender thing alongside the innovation and boost and parlay and all that. And now you're building a brand, not so much on those names, but on the fact that you're wearing something that's not terrible for the earth. And what I find fascinating, and I'm sure you can speak to this, is that that in of itself has a huge appeal to young consumers almost as much as the fact that, yeah, yay designed this sneaker. Well, good, good for you saying yay, because he'll correct you right away. Yes, he will. <laughs> the anymore. So, so yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, I think it goes back, Ryan, great question. So when we were, when I was at Adidas with a, a few of my, um, uh, with, with, a, with a, you know, the great team there, we wrote a very strategic, uh, we wrote a plan that was very focused on the consumer. And, you know, and, and we, we had this motto of through sport, we have the power to change lives. And how are we going to do that? We're going to, we're going to obviously as a sports brand, help them jump higher, run faster, kick stronger. And we, we innovated that with things like boost, as you mentioned, but we also recognized in their life, the culture of sport didn't stop when you left the pitch or the court or the, the or the, or, you know, or what have you, it went into the hallways, it went into the streets, it went into the music venues. And that's what unlocked associations and partnerships with yay or with with beyonce or with with pharrell and and what have you and i think that really started to pour some uh pour some gas on that spark you know as, as we as we always had some tradition there but then we also as we reflected on consumers and you can appreciate this ryan i hope is we live in a pretty um uh stressed out place and you know it, it, it whether it was more stressed out than when i was your age is debatable because i did grow up in the cold war and things but one thing's for sure is we didn't have smartphones on us 24 seven. You didn't get constant doom scroll, um, you know, all day long, um, all night long. So there's definitely a tension that's building up in the consumers that we recognize as we talk to them and really focus on and said, okay, how do we, how do we help them in their lives there? And as we got into that, you know, with partly for the oceans and with, 
you know, Black Lives Matter movements and Me Too movements and things and like we, we took that on us as well as to say how we can how we can use sport to help them in that in that area as well. So it was not just, you know, making sport for sport. It was through sport. We as employees have the power to change lives. And we did that through through sport. We did it through life and we did it in, in these world endeavors. And and it was that it was that aha moment for me when Cyril Gooch from Parley for the Oceans walked in my office and asked me if I wanted to help save the oceans. And I was like, well, how can I do it? And and he educated me on the problem of ocean plastics. And it was like, boom, my world, that was an inflection point for me. It's like I couldn't look back. And when you start to hear and see the things that we're doing to the world um, and, you know, you, you, you're a parent and you have, and you know, your, your, your children will be, will have children and their children will have children. You start to take a longer view. And, and, um, and I think that uh, it was, it was not a question of, of, of when or if anymore, it was a question of when I stepped away from Adidas to try to disrupt. And I think I appreciate you saying that Consumers care about that almost as much as they care about yay right now. And I'll, I'll give you one, one, um, one, uh, one uh, story on that. Um, in 2015, uh, the team at Adidas had built the first ever ocean shoe made out of ocean plastic. It was the Ultra Boost. It was an ocean plastic shoe that we did with, um, with Gillnet that was recovered from Sea Shepherd. It's a fantastic story. But they presented it to me in the hotel in New York one morning before I went to the United Nations to present to the General Assembly. And I presented, I had the honor to present that shoe at the UN General Assembly um, in 2015. And when we posted it, as Adidas does on their social media, that post went as loud and as far as anything we've ever posted as a brand before, whether it be Lionel Messi or Kobe Bryant or even Kanye West. It's like, these, these, it just showed that the consumer cared. And then that rippled through the boardroom and rippled through the organization, say, wait a minute, this is not philanthropy. This is actually driving brand advocacy, and it, it it set Adi on its way to saying, "Hey, yeah, we've got Boost, we've got Yay, but we've also now got um, Parlay." And those those co- the combination of three is, I think, what really lit the way for Adidas's revival back in uh, you know 2015, 16, 17. Yeah, I mean, I've bought Adidas shoes for the first time in decades, right? So, and that's your fault. Way to go, Eric. Way to spend my money. Um, the, uh, but how do you graduate from that? I mean, you're talking, I mean, here on the shift, we've talked an awful lot about polystyrene, uh, for use in docks in the yep. ocean, right? So similar to the plastic wastes in the ocean. Um, so we've sort of taken that on here. Recycling is one thing. I mean, it's good, but the circular approach of being able to properly dispose of or at least reuse is next level of difficult i mean we're talking about a situation here where you've got inspiration of these couple of younger generations that are social aware but they are also extremely ironic that they're socially aware but having 30 or 40 pairs of shoes um is also socially not very aware so how do you bridge that gap from okay well you love your shoes you love your fashion we're gonna switch this now into your new world into buy my stuff but you don't need 40 of them it's good enough right like how do you how do you flip that switch on a generation that's sort of been extremely ironic if you will with the with that dance yeah i I think um first of all i i think Material innovation is critical to that, you know, and I think we can talk about that in a second. And I think the second thing is consumer behavior. It's it, those. It's that intersection where I've kind of made my career, if you will. It's like, you know, whether it be with ocean plastic or whether it be 3D printing or whether it be with Boost and BASF, it's like, 
figuring out that, that material innovation is required in the marketplace and, and, and meeting the consumer where they are with the expectations and exceeding that. And so I think that, that lends itself very nicely to the path that we're on in LS is we are desperately trying to change the feedstock to something that it will harmlessly go away at end of life, which means 70% of fashion right now is made of petrochemicals. Um, it's a forever material that um, you know continues to grow year on year. It's doubled in the last 25 years. It will continue to do to continue to grow. It's it's the majority of everything. As I said, 70% it used to be 10%. It's it's accelerating, and um, you know it, it just isn't. It, it produces forever materials. And what I mean by forever materials is it never goes away. We as consumers think it goes away because it leaves our house, but it either goes in the ground, it goes in the air, it goes in the water, and it continues to break down the smaller pieces, which then enter the food chain and enter our bodies. And, and we're, we're just now seeing the research on that, whether it be in the deep lung tissue or bloods or placentas or babies, 10 times more babies because they crawl on the carpets and things. So we got to solve for that. And what we've, what we've done is we've taken a very uncompromising position because we're a startup and we can. We've said we will have zero harmful waste, which right now means zero petrochemicals until somebody invents a enzyme that can eat these things and, and go harmlessly away. We are swearing to zero petrochemicals, which means we can't use polyesters, nylon, synthetics, you know, stretch materials. We can't use zippers right now because they're hard plastics. We can't use anything like that. We want everything to go away and become food for nutrient-rich soil, which will be its own carbon sink. So, But we don't compromise on our tastes. We don't compromise on our quality. So I think when we're talking about kids that have 30, 40 pairs of shoes, I'm not conquering that right now. What I want to do is I want to use a better feedstock, a feedstock that when you're done with it, you send it back to us free of charge and unless we will industrial compost it and make it go back into nutrient-rich soil. And that's the, that's the promise we have, whether it be a, a hoodie, whether it be a jacket, whether it be a shoe, it doesn't matter. We take responsibility with our product for its end of life. So we like to say, we start with the end in mind first. So we start, we, we start with what happens to this when you're done with it. Cause that is a simple story mechanism where this t-shirt I'm wearing becomes plant food and worm food tomorrow when I want it to. And it'll be good. It'll go away harmlessly within, within six weeks. It's not going to melt off you in the rain or anything like that. It will not. And people think that. That's well, crazy. I have, like, honestly, Eric, it's truly in my head. I, if I'm going to be truly honest, the first thing yeah. that comes into my mind is like, am I going to put this on and there's going to be holes in it because I, I washed it? Like, it's, it, I'm being it, honest. It will not. You can wash it. You can dry it. I recommend washing it and hang drying it. Um, you, you can do whatever you like. But to me, it will only go away when it's, when it's put into industrial composting, which means you know, it's got to have heat, it's got to have temperature, it's got to have moisture, it's got to have the right recipes to, to go away, you, you, to break it down. But it's, we've been wearing cotton for a long, long time. Um, this is not like something we invented. It's like shoes are a little more difficult, but apparel, you know, it's basically cellulose, which is plant-based materials. So it's, it's linens, it's hemps, it's cottons, it's, it's FSC, it's, it's lensing and things like that that are, that are super um, robust and will, will, will wear into you, not wear out, but will wear into you. So it actually... It doesn't rebound like a plastic does with a stretchy rebound. It it will wear and 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 can and, and fit you better and be your most comfortable t-shirt, hoodie, jackets that you've ever had, I promise. You, and then it will go away when you want it, but not before. You've been in you've been in corporate for a long time, um, doing this mega corporate dance. And um what what does business look like if if industry was held to account of one thing and one thing only? And I'm I'm a capitalist by nature, so I'm 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 kind of less fingers, less uh, government fingers in the in the pot, the better. But imagine if there was a standard of exactly what you had said, talking about this going away when you want it to go away in a way that supports the earth and that end of life reverse engineering 
was the way that industry in general did business. Can you imagine what this world would look like today if all kinds of industry actually designed from end of life first? I, I mean, we, I, I think it's amazing. If you start with the end first and you, and, and you hold companies accountable, and by the way, I'm a capitalist too. Capitalism has done wonderful things for the world. It's not always doing wonderful things, but it's like, for the most part, the trajectory of capitalism has is, is, is proven its point. But I think, um, I think we, need to, we need to make sure our private companies are held responsible for their product at the end of life. Right now, no company I can name, and you either, I challenge anyone, that takes responsibility for that. And, and that's what we're doing at Unless. And I think it's a, it's a radical idea, but it's, the time has come. And, and it's, it's, it's easy to do. And I think what we're trying to do is really, really introduce this concept of regenerative fashion to the world. And I think that's, that's a very key word. It's like, it gets out of sustainable, it gets out of circular, all those things. Regenerative means when it goes away, it becomes food for tomorrow's plants, or even you. Imagine your, your shirt and shoe becoming, you know, becoming, this is, I always dream about this, you know, there's a lot of food deserts out there in, in our inner cities. And what if we had um, our, our fashion products that would become food, you know, to create food deserts into food gardens. I, it's it's fascinating to me. I love the notions of all of it. Let's talk about the fashion specifically, Ryan, uh, because I know that you love this stuff. Like this is, for anybody who thinks that this is like hippy dippy square t-shirt of, you know, kind of junk, it's not. It's not at all. It's absolutely on point. I could I could say this, if that if you take you take this and you put it in front of any person side by side photos, you would not be able to tell which was the um, the artificial uh, synthetic fibers versus natural, you know, we're talking breakdown like unless does, right? This regenerative streetwear notion. Side by side in photos, Ryan, you couldn't tell the difference. No, no. The only thing you can really tell is the fact that they're clearly like the the shape if you look at like a, a hoodie that you buy at walmart and a hoodie that you buy from a place like unless or any other major streetwear there's a very there's difference there are hoodies but there's intention in the stitching the shape of the hood it fits a certain style and so that's one of the things i find really interesting eric is that you guys have been able to take the the plant-based model and apply it to the design of a hoodie that is in right now and exciting like this if i showed this to any of my streetwear friends which i have way too many of <laughs> they would they would wear this they, and so that's where i think the nail on the on the head and the appeal of the the design really does does shine through and yeah you i could there's no way i could tell if one was made of plastic and the other was made from plant-based materials i couldn't tell from yeah, and, that's, at all. and that's the that's the key right so we don't want you to compromise your taste but we, want, we don't want you to compromise your values either. If you're buying that Walmart hoodie, the, 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 the fact of the matter is they're, 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 they're going to the cheapest procurement possible on that product. They are, you know, that product is primarily either 100% polyester or at least a 70%, 30% poly cotton blend. That poly, I can show you examples. We've tried to compost that stuff. It just doesn't go away. It's like, it's a very vivid story. And, and the more people understand that the better and i'm a firm believer that if you if you care about what you eat and you care about what you drive you should care about what you wear because mm -hmm. you're breathing that that in you're ingesting that chemicals those those fibers those microfibers all day long and those things are not meant to be in your body so to me it's like why not spend a little more money get a higher quality product look just as dope and, and, you know, feel better, feel good about yourself and knowing that, you know, you can send it back to us when you're done 
we'll get rid of it for you. We'll make sure it goes back into nutrient-rich soil. In fact, we're talking about branding on less soil in the future. Yeah. You know, it's like that's how cool this thing can be. Wow. I mean, boy, my head is spinning on just the nature of um... – I mean, you're redesigning infrastructure, right? I mean, fundamentally, it's what you're doing. You're redesigning infrastructure. And if you can successfully redesign the infrastructure behind the hoodie, wow, does that ever open up a market for you, right? Like my, uh, that's amazing. And and it can all be done onshore. That's the other thing is our supply chains were so exposed during the the pandemic, you know, the, the, the fragility of them. So we're doing everything on shore as well. So it, it can be it, it can be also nurturing to the economies of North America, South America, Europe. So we we've got, you know, when you do this, you can you can really rethink the whole thing. So you're absolutely right. We are challenging the conventional infrastructure of, you know, make it as cheap as you can off the cheapest materials in the cheapest country and then ship it heinously across the world a couple of times to get there. So, no, what if we just take all that shipping out and all that cheapness out? And, and make it actually rich and work with, you know, cotton growers in North Carolina and California and regenerative farmers in California and North Carolina to grow new food and things and, and ultimately start to feed our, feed, you know, supply food to our food deserts. Wait, you're saying that if I order a green product that flies on a 767 overnight delivery, I might be negating the fact that it's a green product, Eric? <laughs> I, I would I would challenge you. That you, you you've done the math. But, but yeah, I mean, it's like we have to give something better quality wise, story wise, value wise than our consumers are being faced right now with the with the growth of a Shein, for example, that sells T-shirts for less than a cup of coffee. Yeah. It's like, I'm sorry, that's a world I don't want to live in. Uh, that's that's to me is is fashion dystopia. Mm-hmm. I, I am left with this, and it's one of the things that I think is most important when people, because I will get emails about people saying about capitalism is bad and all these things now because we were pro-capitalism. But I'm going to tell you this this distinct distinction that matters the most. And I, I look forward to hearing your thoughts, Eric, because I think you've probably seen it on a level that I haven't. But my notion is this, is anybody who says that capitalism is bad confuses capitalism and greed. Because greed is distinctly different than capitalism. And some capitalists are the most generous, responsible folks that I've ever met in my life. And we just as people cannot confuse capitalism as being greed and greed as being capitalism. You can change the world and still um, be successful on your terms. And I think that that's, that's so important for us to keep in mind here. And I think you're living into this by example, sir. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, and I, I would I would concur with everything you said. I I I think we have to get out of the judgment box and 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 start to get into you know listen. Everybody has their own limits of what's enough from a, from a financial gain, if you will. But I think the the inroads that are made through capitalist structures have have been proven successful time and time again. And I mean, we can go back in you know the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, and 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 the Cold War and and the battle between the the different uh, the different um, theories, if you will, political structures or what have you. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think ultimately capitalists won because they're open to new ideas and they, they, they reward those that connect with the, the consumer the most. And I think ultimately that's what I'm trying to prove is that consumer cares enough about their values to vote with their wallet. Now, I may be proven wrong. I'm a startup. I could disappear tomorrow and, you know, hopefully I've left the world in a better place. But, you know, unless it's here to show a better way to be a lighthouse brand, and create generational change. We're not we're not focused on generational wealth. Mm-hmm. If wealth comes along, fine, we'll use that to good cause too. But we want to be a regenerative force for good and create this generational change in the world um, and work with others to, to disrupt the fashion industry. So 
um, we are not your normal startup. I'm not, I'm not some 25 year old sitting in a garage in, in, in Silicon Valley. I'm, I'm 55 years old and I've lived a life and I've got experience. And that's why we kind of, when we got together, we're like, Hey, if not now, when, if not us, who let's get after this and let's try to try to provide a better way. Um, and, um, yeah, if, and I think we have to use the power of capitalism to, drive a point home from the private sector that then policymakers can follow. Yeah. Wow. That's good advice. Let's get after this. Um, for those are, that are playful and a little bit more fun, there are plenty of um, designs on this clothing that includes uh, some very pretty mushrooms. And there are some, the, the world is effed, uh, uh, fun, playful sayings and stuff too. So it's not, it's fun and playful, which is wicked. I like it. Yeah, we we didn't we didn't want to have we didn't want to be a finger wagging brand. I think the idea is not to make people guilt people into doing it. Let them have fun with it, and uh, we're trying to very much walk that you know that line of of fashion and cool and and provocative, um, and and be positive instigators, not negative instigators, where you feel guilty for buying something. We want you to buy it. We want you to enjoy it. We want you to feel good about it because we've taken care of the downside. Love it. It's cool stuff. It's really neat, um, Eric. I, I admire. I admire what you've uh, uh, come through and where you've been able to take the experience and turn it into something that matters. And I, I, I have a million more questions that I'd love to have for another day about, you know, when things like when was the switch in Eric's head that went, you know what, it's time. And, um, yeah. and all of those things to dig into that a little bit. And I hope we can have that conversation again soon as you update us with what's going on with Unless. Let's do it. Uh, you know, in the, in the meantime, I appreciate the support. And like I said, uh, uh, if, if you're, if you're vibing with the, with the message and everything, you know, vote with your wallet because we've got to support it so we can drive change into the, into the industry and have others follow. Uh, this is Eric. He's a guy that used to work in massive fashion, and uh, now he's created his own version of that, which is awesome. It's unlesscollective.com. Eric Litke, it's nice to meet you, man. Really appreciate this. Appreciate the offer. Thank you very much, Shane. Take care. Ryan, be good. Yeah, <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> Thanks, Eric.